Okay, guys, then we'll get uh, we'll get going here. Uh, a beautiful Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. Thanks for joining today, and welcome to the Tunnel Club After Show. I'm your host, Mike Newell. You can follow me at Football Saves. A lot of you probably already do. Um, but today, we'll take your calls and get your thoughts on a 2-1 win over the Philadelphia Union last night at BMO Field for your Toronto FC. The Reds have gone streaking. Three wins uh, on the bounce at home and unbeaten in four. Bob Bradley's men are sitting on 11 points after seven matches. Not a bad start, eh? Uh, Considering that TFC didn't hit 11 points until July last year. So think on that as you think about the start uh, to this match. Or start to this season, I should say. Um, go ahead, hit the request mic button on the bottom left-hand corner. We're already getting some people coming in, so that's awesome. Um, if you're listening on your phones, and as always, I am joined by Sean Levy. You can follow Sean at Sean Anthony Levy here on the Twitter uh, space. Um, but as I bring Sean in, uh, Sean, how you doing? Uh, you were at the match last night. Uh, give us uh, your sort of breakdown and thoughts on uh, the match. Um, it was cold. Um, that's uh, a given. Uh, good crowd, good turnout. Um, you know, it was unfortunate as we've seen far too often. TFC went down early again. Um, but what we've noticed um, this year, particularly, is the resilience and the fight back that they have, and they clawed back in and tied it up. Uh, beautiful play by Jonathan Osorio to open up. Jimenez, who scored a, a beautiful goal that tied it up. Um, thankfully, Philly had a goal called back uh, shortly thereafter. And yeah, we got a beautiful game winner by Paws. Like he just dribbled through, what, three men and beautiful finish in the far corner. Uh, like all things considered, you know, based on the expectations going into the season with you know a very young nucleus we can't complain at all we should be fans need to be happy you know there's obviously certain little things within the game that we want to see improve but as a whole we've got 11 points off of seven games and that's a big big improvement compared to last year absolutely um and look, I think, uh, you know, for those who were able to brave it out in the cold yesterday at BMO, um, I, I hope you really, in, I know it wasn't a pretty match. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, the flowing football that we're hoping for uh, yet. But as we've been saying on these shows, as I think a lot of people have been preaching over the last few weeks and not the last few months, you know, this is a work in progress. But I think what you see is a team that's going to fight, you know, um, and, and that, and that is a stark, stark departure uh, from the team we saw last year. Uh, I think, you know, I think uh, if we saw this team, and we said it on um, uh, on the House and Lakeshore podcast this week, you know, if the, this team went down a goal last year, it felt like shoulders slumped, and they felt they had no shot um, at, at coming back. Whereas if they give up an early goal, I know this team will fight. Uh, and they will and they will find a way to get themselves back into the match. Um, a couple of points we're going to talk on here, guys. But obviously, this is your show. Um, so please feel free to hit the mic, uh, request mic button in the bottom left-hand corner. 
give us your thoughts uh, on the match and, and what you saw. Um, but we'll go, we'll go sort of, we'll, we'll kind of go, we'll get into the positive, but obviously um, we do have to start with sort of the start of the match, which was a, again, a little scrappy, um, you know, but you clearly saw the reason Philadelphia are right now the top team in MLS uh, in terms of points in, in city, still sitting on top of the overall table. Um, the uh, the opening goal, uh, losing that in transition, I think that's still something that the team is working on in terms of being able to defend in transition. Uh, it, it just it just felt like a, a bit, at least from where I was watching on television, a bit of a calamity of errors in terms of some some players stepping uh, towards the ball and, and just kind of losing uh, Carranza at the back post. Uh, you know, I, I kind of felt like that could have handled been handled better. Uh, but Sean, you you were in the stands. What did you see um, on that goal? Um, I think you pretty much you, probably the TV probably gave a better angle because I was at the south end. So um, it, even though we we you kind of saw it was going in, like you could you could see the play developing. You can see how. There's areas defensively that we definitely need to work on when it comes to communicating, marking, staying with your man versus always attacking the ball first. And I think with some of the younger, newer defenders, that is something that really needs to be addressed because, you know, a player, and I'm not saying any this Schaffberg had anything to do with this goal, but very often his first mode of, 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 I guess when he's in that defensive mode is to always go, go after the ball, not kind of, you know, settle in that defensive position and, you know, watch the ball. Don't, don't be, don't basically um, play to the, to the player's first move, which is usually going to be a fake. And he usually falls for that each time. And I think what we're seeing early in the game is players just kind of figuring out where they need to be positionally, where they need to, you know, who they need to mark and that was a, a clear case with the goal is just not not very good communicating in the 18. Philly just again it was a, you can't even take anything away from the Philly goal. It was just a well played, well they moved the ball well. They caught TFC flat footed at the right moment, and it was a it was a well placed finish. Yeah, it, it was. It was a great counter attack. Um, you, you have to give Philly credit for that. Um, it was a turnover and Philly kind of caused that um, in transition. Uh, and I kind of, as the play was building, you know, it, it kind of felt like this is going to be a goal. Um, especially because once Chris Mavinga steps towards, I believe it's Gazdag um, that, that was uh, handling the top of the box, but I could be wrong. Uh, Michael Bradley actually does a really great job of recovering and gets in front of him. And I thought Chris could have let Michael Bradley handle that instead of step towards um, the Philly attacker. Uh, but that then opens up the space for Carranza to go kind of back post. Now Schaffelberg is trying to recover because obviously he had pushed up an attack, um, but he does get back. But I think what and you kind of mentioned it here, and this is something that, again, we, we're talk, we, we even talked about again on the podcast. Um, Jacob is going to kind of have to learn, you know, checking your shoulder, um, don't get caught ball watching, because uh, that's essentially what happened. You can see he's watching the ball and, and has no idea, or has very little idea of where Carranza is. 
he might be thinking that um, that Carranza's offside, but it, you know, uh, I can tell you from the TV angle, you could see Mavinga plays him on, um, but he loses him, uh, and then Carranza has a pretty easy sort of tap in header. Um, nothing really Alex Bono could do there uh, to, to stop it, but you know that that was the that was the start. You know, the, and again, we're kind of getting used to this. TFC kind of start a bit slow and then build into the game. Um, you do want to see the team obviously uh, get off to a better start. Uh, that, that definitely will always help you. Uh, you kind of want them to get off to the NYCFC game start where they can kind of impose themselves a little bit and make things happen. But, you know, the thing is right after the goal, you saw an immediate response uh, right away um, led by who I thought was, you know, at least up there for one of the three stars of the match. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, but um, you know, Alejandro Pozuelo uh, just, you know, taking a rip with the left foot and, and that kind of set the tone for, you know, the fight back from TFC. Oh, it, I mean, pause was, was a beast on the, on the pitch yesterday. He was both like, it, you know, we, we have discussed this on his somewhat new role um, that Bob has asked him to play with, with, with the team. And I think yesterday was by far his best overall game. Um, this season and where he was able to be him play, I think somewhat of a free game, but yet still play within the system. And that showed with leading into the first goal. And then obviously, you know, pause was pause on that, on, on the game winner. Right. So I think what we were finally seeing is with him specifically, I'm not, you know, obviously still going to be a work in progress, but we're seeing him be at his best. Yeah, he mentioned that in the post game show, uh, or the, sorry, the, uh, the the post game interviews, excuse me, uh, where he he talked about the fact that you know they went to more of a four two three one today, played a flat back four or somewhat flat back four um, yesterday, and it gave him sort of pushing him back up into that number ten role, which he clearly uh, prefers, and pretty much said after the game, you know, he prefers to be that number ten. Um, you know, being a little bit closer to Jesus Jimenez uh, and and being able to connect and play from there and break between the lines uh, and cause mayhem there. And you did see the best of him in that role. I know that he's being asked to sometimes play more of a number eight role, which he's willing to do, but you really do get the best out of him when he is in that number 10 role. Um, but guys, uh, again, this is sort of the fans show. Um, you know, Sean and I obviously have talking points and we'll talk through those, but um, we love getting your thoughts on the match, what you saw um, or, or anything in the TFC community. So go ahead, hit the uh, request mic bot- button on the bottom left hand corner uh, and we'll get you in on the show today. Um, the other thing I, I do want to talk about really quickly about about Pozuelo, which I've noticed a lot this season uh, is that I, I feel like there's more of a commitment, and Sean, you may not uh, may or may not agree with me on this, but I I feel like there's more of a commitment from him to on the defensive side of the ball, um, more willing to run and track uh, track players, more willing to step in on tackles and try to win the ball back, um, which is uh, which I think is going to be key this season. He's going to have to do a lot of that in terms of being able to support. Um, both Michael Bradley and Jonathan Osorio uh, in that midfield. 
he's not going to just be able to just float um, and and kind of find the game that way. I think he's going to have to find the game by getting into tackles and winning the ball and being able to move forward like that. Um, I see we have George coming in. So, uh, George, I'm just bringing you into the chat. So go ahead and unmute yourself, buddy, and uh, give us your thoughts. Hey, George, oh, you there? Oh, weird. Sorry, I've never done this before. Um, I, I, I just <laughs> You're wanted good. to comment on the Pozuelo thing. Sorry, I just woke up. Feeling rough. Um, <laughs> uh, words. Pozuelo, he's playing for a contract. And so I'm observing Pozuelo this season like we did when we observed Osorio uh, earning his new contract where he just destroyed that season. And then he got his contract, and the work, the work output wasn't there, which we all observed. So I'm curious to see how this plays out this year. Okay, I'm done. I'm muting. <laughs> Thanks, George. Yeah, I, 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 partly that's absolutely a part of it, right? He is playing for a contract. This is a contract year for him, and he he does want to stay at TFC. He's made that very clear um, in his public comments. Um, and uh, based on the conversations or the interviews that Bill Manning has had with, you know, John Molinero and other people in the press, uh, you know, Alejandro Pizuela has made it clear to Bob um, and to Bill that he wants to stay here. Uh, so, of course, he's going to want to pick up that work rate uh, to earn himself uh, another deal. The time will tell. Um, obviously, there's going to be some... Uh, evaluation from Bob Bradley's perspective on can he be flexible in different systems? Uh, you know, Bob has said that in the, in the past that he's challenging pause to affect the games in different ways. So we'll see uh, as the season goes along, if he does earn that next deal, uh, Sean, I'd love to get your thoughts on, you know, uh, it's early, but, uh, you know, Pozuelo has been a big part of this club uh, since he got here in 2019. He's been a league MVP. You know, he does want to stay here and earn another contract. You know, is, is he is he somebody that we potentially, again, bring back on another DP contract? Or do you think, based on what we've sort of experienced in the last couple of years with uh, paying players for past performance, that you know, he maybe, maybe we take a little bit more of a cautious approach uh, in terms of how we look at pause uh, going forward. Um, I guess I'll touch first on the contract part. Um, I would say a cautious approach. Um, he's been, for me, he's, he's, yeah, he's had a, a rough, you know, year and a half. Um, but I'm still, I still think he's been worth the contract that he signed. Uh, previously however you know the league changes so quickly that you can't you and we've seen from previous contracts that we had in previous dps that you don't want to be hamstrung to certain deals financially regardless if it's a dp contract or not where you know that's somewhat a separate entity from the overall budget it's still uh, you know when players somewhat are past their prime and we're overpaying them, it becomes a, a, you know, we've talked about this with other, other players. And I just think what they need to do is we, if he, 
is willing to buy into Bob's system, bring him back. I just don't know if we necessarily need to bring him back at a DP rate. He'll be older, and, you know, after another year or so, he will most likely start to be on the decline. So I wouldn't want to commit too long-term um, financially. Um, now, do I think he's specifically playing for a contract? Obviously, he's in a contract year. Every player in his position is going to want to give their 110% to make maximum money. That's athletic human nature for any any athlete. It doesn't matter if it's soccer, basketball, hockey. You're in that year. You're going to – usually all athletes seem to perform at their best. So what can you really – like you can't really knock an athlete for that because it's it, they're going to do that, right? The goal is hopefully – an athlete that has a true love of the game, regardless of their contract or not, will continue to perform at that level and not just like, and I think he will, because he obviously got a big deal when he came here and he didn't just sit back and enjoy the money. No, uh, he definitely did not look. I, I, I think, you know, there, there'll be people that are kind of looking at the last year and saying, Ooh, is he worth it? Look, Alejandro Pozuelo has been worth every dollar um, that. That we that we paid for him and the transfer that we we got, um, you know, it, it got us to a cup final uh, in 2019. I know we've talked about that as kind of like a mirage year, but still, uh, the performances that he put in uh, that year were great. Obviously, he wins the MVP in a funky 2020 season, um, but still, that was a team that almost won the Supporters Shield. So he's definitely been worth it uh, in, in that regard. The question now becomes, you know, what what what's what's next after that? And in this season, we'll we'll tell a lot. Uh, and look, his goal, as you mentioned, Sean was fantastic. You know, that's the Pozuelo we know. Uh, a great finish too. Like the the fact that he doesn't blast that with the left foot, he just passes it in perfectly by um, Andre Blake, who, by the way, probably hates Bebo Field now. I mean, he's probably had some of like the worst experiences um, at BMO Field between the sticks, but oh. that's, another, that's another show for another topic I, for another day. <laughs> oh, I guarantee he will, like, if it's outside of playing for Philly, he'll never step foot in BMO Field. He will never want to step foot in BMO oh. in, a, in a Philly like, shirt, in a Jamaica shirt. He, he probably no. hates this place. Um, but, uh, you know, a really great finish from Puzz. And I, and I thought, I, I thought he had a pretty good game. There were some times he could have released the ball a little bit earlier, um, but I think that's also him getting used to some of the uh, younger players on the team as well and playing with them. Um, I, I want to talk the Jesus Jimenez goal really quickly before we get into what obviously will be the big talking point of the match. Um, but uh, again, we've been saying it week after week, uh, but Jesus Jimenez uh, to me is going to be low key, maybe the, the most value for money signing uh, in the league this year. I mean, he, I know he did. People feel like he disappears in games, and he does. Like he does uh, at times, sort of disappear in, in matches a little bit. Um, but you know, you, sometimes you don't always pay a number nine to be the most, you know, have the most touches or, or or impact the game in every single moment. You you pay them to to impact the match inside that eighteen yard box. And man, when he does, when he gets in there and he gets his body position right, he gets the ball in the right spot. I mean, that goal. Just, just, just to be able to hit that first time and to bend it the way he did um, was amazing. And let's also give love to Jonathan Osorio. Went off injured in the game. We hope he's, you know, we hope he's not out for too long. 
but uh, Oso's feet also to set that up uh, to be able to dribble by three uh, union defenders and get that ball over to him. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, I've been heaping the praise of Jimenez all season long. Like it has been an excellent signing for TFC. Um, You know, obviously we know what the big name signing was uh, and is for the club, but Jimenez has just come in here and done what we they've asked of him, which is be our number nine, put the ball in the net regularly, which he's doing, um, being involved. Uh, yes, as most number nines do, they will fade out of the game because, again, their position isn't always up and down the pitch, right? They often will, even if, they're, if they do come back, they come back to the center line, right? So depending on, you know, where we are on the pitch, what's happening, you're obviously, he's not going to always be involved. But when he is, he's a threat. And that is very important for us. We haven't seen where, you know, every time he gets in and around that 18, teams have to fear him. And sooner or later, teams will definitely mark him a lot tougher. Um, You're probably going to see him get fouled a lot more than we've seen so far because teams will realize how lethal he is and and he doesn't need much space or much time on the ball to finish. No, that that's the thing I really like about him. He he can hit, he can hit a ball first time, right? Like he hits the ball first time. He does it. He doesn't need extra touches in the box to get a shot away. Um, you know, and again, it, it's weird too. Like he he hit that ball yesterday, and it looked like he was kind of fading back a little bit as he hit it, but he still got that bend. Uh, perfectly around Andre Blake. I mean, he Blake had no shot um, based on the way that it was hit. Um, and, and I think that the one thing that you do maybe want to see from him a bit more is the idea of being able to run off the shoulder of defenders and, and get him behind a little bit more. But um, I also do like that he can, you know, play the ball to feet and play people in and uh, and sometimes even go wide. Uh, which will be interesting once Insigne gets here and how that works, because I can feel a lot of interchange between himself, Pozuelo, Insigne, and whoever of Jaden, Luca Petrasso, um, you know, end up playing on the other side, uh, or or, um, uh, Schaffelberg as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he will, will sort of interact once Insigne gets here. But for now... Uh, you know, I think he's he's kind of the number nine that the team needs right now uh, in terms of just being able just be lethal in the box, you know, and be able to play off uh, your best player in Alejandro Pozuelo. Oh, for sure. I mean, right now, especially down that left side, we are dangerously lethal. You have, um, you know, for the most part, Luca again, gang, like he's not going to be the 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 you know, your top three every game, but he's giving you a 90 minutes that you can rely and trust. Um, and which is amazing for someone who was playing, playing in, was it uh, USL uh, league one, not even the USL championship last year, league one USL, right? This kid has stepped in and showing he's ready for this league. And that left side when Insignia gets here is going to be dirty. It really Absolutely. will. Yeah, it would be. Absolutely. Um, guys, again, this is the fan show. So please, uh, if you have any thoughts or, you know, any, you know, have any questions in regards to the match last night or anything happening in the TFC world, 
uh, go ahead, hit the request mic button on the bottom left-hand uh, corner. Love to get your thoughts, and we'll bring you into the show. Uh, with that said, um, as, as uh, you know, we're waiting for some people to come on in, um, we'll talk the big, uh, the big, I guess, talking point of well, this before match. We, before we go there, I actually want to, because I have seen a few questions and comments about um, Chris Mavinga, because I thought he played, came yeah, in and absolutely. had a, a pretty good game, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, the, the, the only main incident was uh, late in the game when, Clearly, again, bad communicating between him and O'Neal, where they collided into each other um, and both almost injured each other, which was just comical to a certain extent. Um, And I did see some people saying that, you know, blaming Chris on that. But when I look at the bigger issue is the, you know, last week we saw bad communicating between the two center backs, which caused a red card. This week we saw bad communicating between the two center backs, which almost injured both two center backs. Is there a communication issue right now defensively? Mm. Um, issue. I don't know if there's an issue. I think it's more just look. you're getting, um, you know, center backs who haven't played a lot together yet. You know, um, Chris Mavinga, that's his first appearance uh, since opening day. Uh, so, you know, from, from that perspective, uh, you know, I'm sure they're, he and, and Shane are training uh, together. Um, but, you know, the training and being in a game are two very different things uh, in terms of, uh, of playing with each other. So definitely there might have been a communication gap there. I thought overall, though, they both played pretty well, right? I thought, I thought, the, I thought the pairing worked really well. I thought Chris Mavinga played extremely well. Um, and did the things that we know Chris Mavinga does really well, which is, you know, be able to uh, play with pace and being Track able to back. cut out balls, you know, that are trying to be played in behind. I thought he did really well with balls in front of him as well. Um, I thought he cut out a lot of a, a lot of things that was really good. I think he stepped really well, um, you know, first goal aside. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, I thought he played a great game. I thought Shane O'Neill, uh, again, did stuff that – uh, doesn't necessarily always show up on the highlight reels, doesn't get you a ton of praise. But, you know, there are, there are a couple of uh, incidents where he, you know, stuck his face in um, to head a ball away uh, where he almost got booted in the face, right? He could have he could have actually been seriously hurt on that if uh, I believe, again, it might have been either Gazdog um, or it might have been Carranza. Uh, you know, if he took a full swing at that, he might have got booted in the face. But he he stooped and got that header out. And that was a time where Philadelphia were really plying on pressure in the final probably 20 minutes of the match. So I thought both played really well. Um, of course, they're still going to be working out, you know, who steps when, who sits back, when do they push up together to try to play offsides. Um, that's stuff that they will develop over time. Um, so I'm not super worried about that, but yes, there's going to be some communication um, issues as again, you you're learning each other and how each other plays. No, you know, like I was definitely happy at the end of the day, I'm happy with first Mibinga getting a full 90. Um, I think he deserved that second opportunity. Um, I, I, for me, the center backs this year have done, um, better than I think a lot of people could have expected and anticipated. 
outside of Salcedo and of course outside of him getting um, his red cards, but I've been impressed with everyone. Um, I still feel at some point we will need to strengthen that area, but that's not necessarily a big area of concern for me that so far. Um, and that's pretty much all I really wanted to just touch on because I was happy to see him out there. I hope he gets in again next week. Um, fingers crossed on that. I'll let you uh, lead into the next point. Uh, as you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll sort of just close off with the, the Vingas stuff. Like, look, I think he's, uh, as I said before, both on the show and on the podcast, he still has a vital role to play on this team. Uh, and, and I think that as a left-footed center back who can really complement Salcedo, I still think that's your best pairing going forward. Um, you know, he can really provide a lot both defensively and being able to play balls that break lines. He actually played a really great ball, I think, into Pozuelo. Um, I, I feel like it was in the second half um, that sort of bypassed what normally would happen is they'll head, shuttle it off to Michael and Michael will kind of start things from there. But he actually stepped forward and hit a ball straight to Pozuelo. I'm pretty sure it was Pozuelo uh, to break lines and get the team sort of forward uh, in a moment where they really needed uh, to push up and, and get forward. So, you know, you'll live with some of the, the, the mistakes that Chris makes in, in the way that he, you know, will be a little aggressive at times with his tackles. Um, but, I, I, you know, I still think he has a, a vital role to play on the team going forward. Okay, so let's get into it. It's the talking point. Um, got into it with some Philly fans last night at the end of the game. You know, they're incensed. Uh, and, of course, it is the Jaden Nelson maybe was a red, maybe it wasn't tackle in the first half uh, prior to uh, the opening goal. Um, or was it maybe just after the opening goal? I think it was prior to the opening goal. Um, I mean, look, I, I've got some, I've got my thoughts on it. Um, I would love to get uh, everybody's, uh, everybody in the room, your thoughts on it. I see uh, Jack Ametti's in here. Thanks so much for joining, Eric. If you feel like jumping in and giving us your thoughts, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, I was watching on TV. I thought it was a red, uh, you know, and, and I get some of the comments out there that said, you know, uh, that Kai Wagner played into it a little bit, that he actually didn't make as much contact as it appeared um, uh, because Wagner kind of, you know, it, the only way I can describe it is kind of like in boxing when you roll with a punch, um, kind of the same thing there. Um, but the foot looked high to me. Um, I knew it was going to VAR as soon as it happened. Um, I actually thought VAR was going to come back and send them off. Obviously, they did not, and it worked out the TFC's favor. Uh, Sean, again, you were in the stands. You saw it. Um, what did you think happened? I thought it was a straight red. When I first heard it and saw it, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was <laughs> my first reaction. It was not – it did not look pretty. Um, so I decided before I pipe any opinion on this, I need to see – it in slow down so i looked at every possible video and for those who kind of want to see what i think is one of the best plays or videos of it, and it doesn't really slow it down enough but it does slow it down is on mls's website um in the instant replay and you can see so first of all is it high 100 
it's his right foot. So he has, as he goes in, Jaden Nelson sliding in, right foot, he's sliding on his left side. So right, uh, left leg is going in, and he kind of, the left leg is bent, so he doesn't come into contact with the player with his left leg. It's strictly with his right leg. However, that right leg is high, shin high. It Now, as I'm trying to see that contact, I'm trying to see if, if I see the player at the last minute somewhat kind of pull away as he's, as he's embracing and readying for the contact. And it kind of looks like that, but it's hard to tell. So even after the, the incident play, I guess why they didn't overturn it, there's no clear-cut evidence based on that video. Well, that, to, yeah, that's the thing, and that's, right? That's the problem because, again, it is high. And based on from what how I understand and interpret the rules, when you're going studs up, which is clearly shown, at that where he hits him, that's a red. But again, I'm not a I'm not a, a professional referee, so please, that's just my take on it. When I watched it in slow mo, live and direct, no question, I thought it was a red. So I think we definitely lucked out. Yeah, I I mean. Look, as a as a Toronto FC fan, I'm I'm always gonna sort of grab some Philly fans on there and say, ah, no, it wasn't a red, hey, man. Come on, yellow was appropriate. Um, I I mean, look, I I I thought we got away with one. Sometimes you 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 do need to ride your luck a little bit, um, and and I'm completely fine with that. Uh, and it, it you know if he did get sent off, it would have been kind of a shame because I thought Jaden played really really well up until that point and it was was playing well in that first half I you know he got that shot off early in the game I thought he was again being really direct uh getting the ball running at players making things happen um he almost had uh you know if he could have made that one chance where he rainbow flicked it over the fender and hit it with his left um if he had put that in oh man that would have been an abs and see and then that's the thing um in, in talking about Jaden and again I as I've said multiple times, I think he's the one young player that's made the biggest incremental gain in his, in his play from year over year. Um, getting that goal, I think, gave him a lot of confidence. And now he's sort of showing out the things that, you know, yeah, I've been watching him in, in the academy at TFC2. He's got that in his locker, you know. Um, and when he has that confidence, he can absolutely – uh, make some magical things happen on the pitch. Uh, and it would have been a shame if he had been sent off at that point because uh, I thought he was affecting the game in a really good way. I can understand why Bob Bradley took him off at halftime with the yellow and with the way things were kind of going. Um, I, I, I kind of understood it. Um, but I thought, again, in that first 45, I, I thought he had a, had a good showing. Oh, definitely. I mean, we've been heaping his praise um, all season long. His, his, his improvement is confidence. And like we said last week, that goal's only going to give him the boost that he needs to um, to go for goal more often than not. Right now, I, you know, one of the key factors I'm sure Bob will watch is that he wants to see that aggressiveness, but at the same time, he wants to make sure he's playing the full I guess what's the best way to put it? He wants to make sure he's not always being overly selfish. He knows when to take it on his own versus when to lay it off or whether, or slow it down and wait for 
the play to build up. And I think we saw a bit of that in the, uh, during the first half where he wasn't trying to do too much. He was making sure, you know, if the opportunity was there, he was going to take it. But if it wasn't, he was going to whether it be look, look for his teammate uh, or lay off for the smarter pass or, or a better shot. And that's one of the, the key growths with a young player is that you want to see him learn those key things, uh, right? Because it's, we know he has all the skill set. It's just being able to play, know when to play off the ball and, and know what to do when you don't have possession. Well, yeah, and I, I think that goes back to, uh, again, I think it was the home opener or it might have been the D.C. game where, you know, he had that one opportunity down the wing and the better, the better play was probably to cut it back or lay it off um, or, cross, or, or hit it across the, the penalty uh, spot to uh, probably I think it was Jimenez running in. Um, and, and Bob Bradley mentioned that in, in his comments saying, like, you know, that's a learning moment for, for Jaden. And, and I think he took that to heart. Right. And, and, and it's made him that sort of moment and that coaching from, from Bob and, and his staff automatically makes Jaden a better player. Right. In that, in that short moment. Uh, and that, and that's, and I think that's, again, a, a sign of, you know, what makes Bob Bradley so, so great as a coach. I think that's what makes this sort of group, of, of players, these young players that are coming through, um, you know, so impressive is that they can take on those notes really quickly and um, incorporate them into their games right away. Uh, and, and that is, and again, as a TFC fan, as somebody who's wanted to see more Academy products in the 11 and in the 18 um, each week, that is, that is really encouraging uh, to see. Um, so a couple of last notes here, um, I think, before we wrap up the show. Um, again, uh, if there are any, any questions, anything you want to sort of get off your chest or opine about, um, about last night's results, or again, anything in the TFC Live community, uh, go ahead and request the mic. Uh, we'd love to get your thoughts in before we wrap up uh, today. Um, but uh, I, I want to hear where my Alex Bono haters are, are at because I thought he had a really good game yesterday. And I mean, look, I, I've, I've been tough on him as well. Um, so not, not to sit here and say that uh, I haven't, but I thought he had a really great game last night. Um, made a couple of really decisive, uh, not necessarily saves, but coming out to get the ball um, in really key moments, uh, which I think preserves the three points. So I thought he had a really great game as well. Well, you know, I've voiced my, my take on Bono plenty of times, but I also want to admit it's not like we have a better option. So, you know, he's doing the job. And yesterday by far was one of his best games in how he commanded the 18. Um, he went was attacking the ball when it was coming in. He wasn't waiting. He, he, he looked in control. Um, and one of the things is, you know, we've, we've, I've harped on his distribution. I think he focused on, all right, maybe my footwork isn't always great. So don't put myself in a situation where I'm going to cause my team a potential scare or uh, turnover. He simplified his game and quick release. If he had it in his hand, if it was, you know, if the ball came back to him, it's like he already knew where he needed to, the ball to go and he wasn't hesitating. And that, like I said, excellent game from him so you can't say you can't knock anything the goal wasn't his fault he played an excellent 90 yesterday 
Perfect, perfect. Uh, we've got a, a caller in, uh, an Eric Geomat, Geomati, Geomati. Uh, no, uh, Eric. Close. <laughs> uh, yeah, close. Yeah, uh, Eric Giacometti. Um, thanks for for coming on in. Uh, yeah, no, uh, floor is yours, uh, my friend. Go ahead and uh, and give us your thoughts. No, good stuff, guys. This is uh, awesome. What you guys are doing here. First of all, uh, just really cool to see. Uh, the community engaged. I mean, just from a, from a personal perspective, I mean, I know this has been talked about plenty of times, but, uh, and I, I even asked this in the, in the post-game press conferences, just to kind of talk to what it's meant to be back. And I know that that's, that's going to be a theme throughout this year of being back in Toronto, but uh, just look at the results lately, right? Like the, the last three games at home are two, one wins. If you look at the last four, three of the last four games, uh, we've conceded first and fought back. Right. So I think that that says a lot about the, the resolve of this team and and that Bob Bradley imprinted the style. But I also think it says a lot about the fact that what a lift we get from from being at home and and that environment um, to, to dig deep and, and grind out these results, even though they haven't been the prettiest games that you guys have, have alluded to. Um, I think that says a lot about this team and, and this squad. And, you know, in the last year or two, giving up giving up the first goal was more or less a death knell for this team. So. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really encouraging and positive sign that uh, you're starting to see that that DNA change a little bit. And I I know that that culture is this this buzzword that's that's hard to define. And I've, I've always kind of dismissed it as as just something that, that people throw out there when they, you know, they have nothing of value to say or it's it's this kind of intangible thing. But I've, I've seen it firsthand how much it's really been been changing over the last, you know, six, seven months um, with with Bob really putting his imprint on this team. So I think it's it's just encouraging to see how much of a metamorphosis there is. And, um, you know, looking at the field last night, I mean, if, if you're if you're a, a Toronto fan, if you're a Canadian fan, how encouraging is it to see just the litany of, of young talent on the field, you know, local talent, um, you know, Luca, Jaden, Schaff, Caden, Lucas McNaughton. I mean, you go Kosi Thompson, Jordan Perusa, DeAndre Kerr. I could go down the line of, of these these young Canadian kids that are that are coming on and and playing meaningful minutes. I mean, we, we keep talking about you know when when is the next generation going to be ready? When are they going to be able to take that next step? And, and Bob is just throwing them in there to give them their chance. And uh, you know, for the most part, they're taking it with with both hands. So I just think it's an it's an incredibly encouraging time, and it's just good to be back here in Toronto more more than anything else. Yeah, obviously, I, I think, and we alluded to it off the top of the show, right? Like they're they're on, you know, they're they're three on the bounce wins at home, four unbeaten, uh, and it's it's interesting because in it's a question I think you asked Alex last night um, after the game was just the idea of uh, making BMO a fortress again, and I think you know one of the, the the things that made the run between 2015 to 20 call it 19 kind of can't really say 2020 um you know is is it people didn't teams legitimately did not like coming to Bemo field and playing here right like they nope. you know there was there was a sense of inevitability of playing here that you know you were going to be you were not going to come here and get an easy game. And not only were you not going to get an easy game, that there's a good likelihood that you would probably be passed to death um, at BMO Field. And I feel that vibe is slowly starting to come back um, in the stands. I, I, I think we'll see it more, obviously, as the weather gets better, more people are willing to come out to, to games at that point. But, um, and this is a question for you, Eric, as you're with and around the team a lot more, obviously, than we are. But what 
what specifically, or maybe, maybe is there an anecdote that you might have of how Bob is interacting with the young players that is drawing so much out of them? Because we all, like, like you said, we all know these players have talent. We have all seen them, you know, whether it's at the Academy or at TFC two impress at some level, but what is it about Bob and the way that he works with the young players that just draws so much out of them? Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was apparent from genuinely from from day one of preseason when we got to LA. Um, you know, I've I've been a, I've been a part of my my fair share of preseason camps, and um, under Bob, it was they, they went really straight into getting eleven v eleven and trying to understand the game principles and and just throwing guys out there to see if they could understand um, you know the game model that Bob wanted to imprint, and uh, specifically guys like like Jaquiel, uh, Ralph, Jaden you know, getting thrown into the fire right away to see what they could do. And after just about every training session before and after, he'd be putting his arm around those guys, trying to explain to them what exactly he's looking for, whether it was Bob, whether it was Mike Sorber or Paul Solteri. The coaching staff was was so intent on on getting them involved in, into the setup and not just being on the periphery, which, you know, has has been the case for a lot of these guys, in, you know, for the last couple of years, right? If it's someone like Noble, someone like, you know, Jaden and Jaquiel that have been in and around the team but haven't really had that impact on the first team level. And I think with just the sheer amount of turnover, I think all those guys recognize, hey, we have a real opportunity here. Like this is this is no longer just talking about something that's that could happen down the line. Like our time is now. We have to go grasp this. Uh, and, and Bob has really taken the time to to make sure that they're up to speed and understanding what what the game is asking of them and, and what they need to contribute on a day-to-day basis and i think just that that clarity of roles and understanding what's expected of them has been has been so key and i think that's why you're starting to see these guys uh take their chances and, and really make the most of it awesome that's amazing go ahead sean uh eric uh pleasure finally uh talking with you and thanks for joining today um it's been, you know, for me, it's been great seeing the support we've gotten so far this season. Um, and I think it will definitely grow as Mike said, the weather gets better. Um, and you definitely touched on the fact that, you know what, we're seeing so many young Canadians touching the pitch. And it's not like we can say at, at the end of the season, we, you know, they all got a little bit of minutes. These guys are earning minutes week in, week out. And that's one of the most impressive things that I've seen. And, you know, we've talked about you know, throughout. And, you know, you just touched on again, they've been given that opportunity to, to come into the first team and learn and grow and build with the team and be part of the system. Um, and uh, Io, I think recently this week, even commented on that, you know, it's something he's, he's been there for a few years and he's really noticed that, you know, the opportunity the young guys have gotten this year. And as a fan, it's amazing to see that these are, you know, our boys, our local kids that grew up in and around the GTA. And it's an amazing thing to see. And I think fans really, you don't go often, get out there and watch these kids play. They're impressive. Like they, they deserve to be there. They've earned it. And I think, you know, the sky's the limit for most of them. No, hundred percent. I, th- I think it's not something to be taken for granted. I'm just behind the scenes, we're, we're working on a, on hopefully getting a content series off the ground that kind of speaks to that. These, these young kids that are, um, you know, that, that have been in the academy program that have come through the ranks and, and are now starting to blossom into, you know, real contributors. Uh, but I think it's, it, it's from a community standpoint, right? Resonating with, with all of you guys and um, trying to really strengthen that, that tie that we have to Toronto, to the community. I mean, what, what better ad- advertisement for what we're doing than 
having kids that, you know, look like a lot of the kids in the stands and, and talk like a lot of the kids in the stands um, that have come through our academy system and are now making an impact at, at, at the highest level. I mean, that's that's the dream, right? That's that's why these these kids sign up at a young age to, to play in the academy with dreams of being at BMO Field. I mean, uh, you know, talking with guys like Luca Petrasso, Jordan Peruza, uh, you know, Kosi Thompson after they made their impacts over the, the, the past year or so, um, you can see just what it means to them. And I think that's that's again not something to be taken for granted. I think that that uh, you know we've been we've been really lucky here at TFC to have some some really high top level talent over the years, um, and obviously that makes a big difference at the you know at the when crunch time comes around in the playoffs and when you need your difference makers. But I think it's equally important to have uh, your roster littered with with guys that are from the area and um, they can really see themselves making a difference at this at this level in this league and. Uh, Bob is giving them the chance to do that, and I think that as long as they continue to to prove that they belong, there's there's no reason that they shouldn't keep getting the chances. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, uh, Eric, um, if you if you don't mind, uh, maybe stick around. Uh, we have two callers here. We'll bring them in, um, and then we'll wrap the show up uh, from there. Um, I do have a question also um, that I, I will get to at the end uh, of the show that was tweeted in. Uh, that I think uh, is a good uh, a good way to sort of end the show. But I'll bring Chris in uh, really quick. So Chris, uh, bring you in. Go ahead, unmute yourself, man, and uh, give us your thought or question. I just want to give a shout out to Jonathan Osorio. I thought he had an excellent game yesterday. To be honest, um, I honestly thought he was man of the match until he had to come off. Unfortunately, hopefully the injury is nothing too serious. Um, and we just have all these young Canadians coming through and, um, we have the old stalwart Osorio who has been here for quite a number of years now. Um, he's had as many, uh, doubters, both in the TFC fan base at times, um, in the Toronto FC coaching staff at times, um, at the Canadian national team, uh, coaching staff at times have doubted him. And I think even some people doubt him on the national team, um, still to this day. And he keeps uh, proving them wrong. Um, I just want to give him a, a big shout out. Absolutely. I, I think, and it's funny, again, Eric, you probably can talk to this a little bit better than, uh, than we can, but um, it, it was interesting at the beginning of this season. Um, you know, I, I think someone posed the question, it might've actually been you, Eric, uh, about, you know, leadership, about him taking the next step in terms of his career. We all know what he can do on a footballing side. But now taking that leadership step and him learning from Michael Bradley, learning from a Javinko, learning from a Josie, learning from a Justin Morrow, a Drew Moore over the years, um, you know, and, and, and sort of incorporating that into his own style as a guy, as a Brampton man, right? Like as a, as a guy who, you know, again, is sort of in a lot of way for, yeah, exactly. Well, he's, you know, he's a guy that, you know, when you talk to some of the younger players or when they mention guys, they immediately mention also, right? Like he's, you know, he's the guy. Um, so maybe Eric, you know, just in terms of, you know, your interaction with Oso over the years um, and your interaction with the young players, you know, what, what, how has he sort of, you know, imprinted his leadership style on some of the younger players? Yeah, that that maturation process has been has been fun to watch. Um, I, I mean, I, I think about when I first got here, kind of the way that that Oso looked up to to Ash. I, I saw that that very much that that mentorship role of you know the, the the Toronto guy that had been been around the block and had been there, done that, 
And now Oso is very much that, right? He's, you know, 29, 30 years old coming into the, you know, he's, he's still very much at the top of his game, going to a World Cup, an important player for club and country. Um, and you see the young kids now that are coming up and they look at him as the prototype, right? There's a guy that um, he's proven that you can make a name for yourself here in MLS. You can make a name for yourself here at TFC. Uh, and he's he's done everything right, man. He's he's put his head down, and he's certainly had his trials and tribulations, as as uh, as was alluded to, in terms of maybe not always getting the opportunity and being overlooked. Uh, I specifically remember 2017, where he was in and out of the team, and you could tell that there was a lot of visible frustration about his role and and not being uh, you know the linchpin that he had been. Uh, and I I, believe, I think it was a friendly against Jamaica late in 2017, where he he put in a great shift, and and from there. He really took off. Obviously, that parlayed into the 2018 season where, um, you know, it was a tough season for the club in general. But for Oso, it was a banner year, was scoring for fun in the Champions League and had a, you know, had a career year for himself. And I think a lot of those young guys that are coming up look up to him and see, like, yeah, it's, it's possible. A, a kid from Brampton that can make a, make an impact at the highest level. And um, it's it's been really cool to see. You, you can see him taking taking those kids under their wing and. Uh, I, I say this with 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 the the most endearment. He's he's just a son of a bitch, man. Like he he trains so hard. He <laughs> he, he takes it's everything so seriously. But it, it's what makes him such. Like you you guys see it on the field. Like he's such a fierce competitor. He he's he's the first one in a scrum to stick up for his teammates. And like I I love watching him play. I, I love seeing how much he's matured. Um, just as a, as a leader and and the way that he's taken a lot of these young kids under the wing to show them that hey, there is a pathway and and this is the way forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, TFC and you, uh, Sean, go ahead, but I'm going to bring also TFC and you into uh, the chat as well. But Sean, go ahead, ask your question. No, no, I just have to, you know, heap some more praise on also like, I mean, just what he's, he, he's just given everything for this club. And I think fans like the fact that there, there are still some people that want to question anything about him is ridiculous. He's earned everything he's gotten and I think he even deserves way more accolades than he get. He's been one of the best players this season. And he's I've seen him play with a hunger this year that that I think some of the other young players are 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 seeing are are, are finding infectious in a positive way. Like he's going out there, he's tackling, he's he's involved in every play. And, and like the caller just said, um, you know he's been he probably was the man of the match up until he got subbed out so hopefully again there is no serious injury and you know maybe some rest and he'll be back but um i've just been so impressed with him this year he's been to me our 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 top player uh without a doubt yeah i think it's hard to argue against that um too much and and like look uh, he's going to hit 300 appearances for the club in all competitions this season, whether again, he's able to play next week. He's on 299 right now. Um, you know, he's going to hit that number. And for those who have been around in the TFC community long enough, uh, that, that number seemed not just impossible, um, for a player to hit, but just like one of those things that you just didn't even think about uh, a player hitting that kind of appearances mark for this club. You know, prior to 2015, guys came in and out of this team like a like a merry-go-round, right? Like it just where people were in, out, um, and, and and for this guy, a local guy, to get 300 appearances for his local club, um, it just it was just not something that we ever thought we'd see, and and I think that speaks a lot to 
Um, his his sort of I hate the word fortitude. Thank you, resilience. That's a much better way of putting it than I was going to. Um, but to, to be able to be resilient again through those ups and downs throughout his career, uh, when he was in the team, when he wasn't in the team, uh, is um, is something again. I hope the young players are able to take with them uh, going forward, and hopefully we see one of these young guys get to that mark uh, in the future. Uh, TFCNU, you have been waiting patiently. Thank you so much, man. Go ahead, unmute yourself. Give us your your thought or your question. Yeah, I just uh, I, I can't agree more with you guys on Osorio. I've been a huge Osorio fan since I think uh, 2013 or 2014 when he when he started with the team. So 2013, he started in 2013. Yeah, it's been a it's long crazy. time. Um, I, I just sort of building on that. If you don't have him next week, and if uh, Priest and McKellar are still unavailable, I guess what do you do in the midfield? This is the question I had for you. I missed the match last night, so I'm not going to pretend to talk about it, but. Uh, just looking at that team sheet and going, is it, is it Kosi Thompson in the middle? What do you do? Who do you put beside Bradley there? Just uh, curious about your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, I, I hope, I hope Ralph uh, and Noble can be back. Um, I don't know what their status is. Maybe Eric, you can shed some light on that, but um, you know, uh, my first choice obviously would be Ralph if he can play, but if he's not ready, um, I, I, you could put Kosi in that spot. I think you could be comfortable putting Kosi in that spot and he can do you a job. Again, this is a guy who is, you know, professional, full professional MLS debut, played way out of position as a right back and played pretty well. So, I, you know, again, that's that idea of Bob Bradley instilling that confidence in young players to go out and do a job. Um, and, and I think that's, uh, and, and I wouldn't, you know, if he's in that position, absolutely. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in there and puts in a, a really good performance. Yeah, um, I'd probably say the same thing. I would I would expect most likely Kosi or if if neither Ralph or Okello is available. Um, but it seems like these guys have that mentality. It's like, you know what, coach, put me in. Whatever you need from me, I'm going to do. And they they all have that, like, next man up mentality. And they've all stepped up this year. So I'm confident whoever is called into that position, will know what's expected of them and will produce. Absolutely. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you, if this is giving away the, uh, the, the, uh, the family jewels or anything like that, but uh, do you know any, anything in terms of status of Noble or Ralph or are they, are they, would they maybe be available next week or is it probably a, a highly unlikely? To be fair, I'm I'm pretty out of the loop myself on on that front because I was uh, I was out of the country for the last week, so I, I just got back in on on Friday, so I I wasn't even aware that that Noble and, and Ralph were on the uh, the injury report this week, so I don't know the extent of their injuries. Obviously, if if one or both are available, they would be the front runner to to, to fill in, uh, you know, in the, the heart of the midfield if Oso can't go. But uh, I know that Kosi stepped in and, and and done the job before, so I would I would assume that's probably where they'll go to to fill that gap if possible. No, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. And yeah, I was, uh, I was creeping your Insta um, while you were out uh, in Italy. Uh, I'm supremely jealous of oh, yeah. um, Love the lovely, lovely <laughs> Naples, lovely Naples nights out uh, with, with drinks and some delicious food. So wasn't too uh, no, no, I, I think, yeah, I think you, uh, I don't think there's too many complaints uh, on a work <laughs> trip like that. Um, okay. Uh, with that said, then I will, um, so teasing you, thanks so much, man. I'm just going to move you back into the audience unless you have another question or thought. No, I'm good. Just wanted your thoughts on that. Thanks guys. 
Yeah, no worries. No worries. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you put Kosi in that spot, um, look, I, I think uh, I'm pretty comfortable in, in putting him in there and he's going to be able to do a job. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of wrap up the show here um, on, on sort of two points, um, maybe three. Uh, first, Sean, as we do each uh, Tunnel Club show, um, you know, stealing from the hockey analogy of the three stars. Uh, do you have a three stars for uh, yesterday's match? Uh, so I'm going to go with Jimenez as my third star. Um, unfortunately, because Ozo got injured, um, I'm he goes in number two, um, and then Pause was beasting it up all all day, and he's my number one. Fair enough. Fair enough. I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, third star. For, sorry. Go ahead. Honorable mention has to be Alex Bono because, you know, he was stellar uh, holding it back in that yesterday. Absolutely. Absolutely. He is in my three stars, but um, I'll, I'll go. Uh, I won't be too much different. You, uh, you know, Pozuelo uh, for me is one of my, uh, one of my stars. I probably have him as star three um, in the game. Uh, great goal. Uh, connected really well. A couple of times where I want him to release the ball a little earlier. Um, but that's okay. Um, we'll live with that, especially if you can score a goal in that, uh, that fashion. I'm actually going to give Chris Mavinga my number two star. I thought he had a really great game. If you want to call it a quote unquote bounce back game. Um, it was definitely a game where you saw the best of him. And I, and I thought put out a couple of fires, um, that, that needed to be put out, uh, when Philadelphia were putting on the pressure, uh, late in the game, try to get that tying goal. Um, so I thought that that earned him a second star, and I thought he played uh, well overall. My first star is going to Alex Bono. Thought he uh, thought he ended up uh, winning us three points. I know the, the two goals were were scored by uh, your main men up top, but I thought uh, late on Alex made a couple of key saves. I thought he made a couple of great decisions in terms of coming for the ball um, that preserved the three points. Um, so Alex Bono gets my top star of of the match um feel free to disagree if you feel like disagreeing all but uh that's the the way i see it um uh so uh before we get into uh the the last point here uh we did get a question uh tweeted into us and i thought it was interesting uh given sort of our earlier conversation about bob bradley um, but Sean and, and Eric, feel free to jump in if you want, or feel free to also stay out if you don't want to answer this one. Um, but do we want to give Bob Bradley a grade through the first seven games? Um, again, early, I, I get that. Um, but I think seven games is starting to give us a, a sample of, of what we're going to hopefully see with this team um, throughout the season. Uh, again, like we said off the top, it's 11 points in seven games. Uh, didn't get to 11 points last year until July, uh, you know, so, uh, you, you know, if you can get that uh, midway through April um, and sit fifth in the table right now, or at least in the Eastern Conference table, uh, that's a good start. Um, but Sean, uh, a letter grade, if you will, uh, for uh, one Bob Bradley. Sure. Um, Cause that probably, probably isn't fair for, for um, Eric to give his. So um, I'll go with a B. B plus. Um, and the reason I'm giving him that is simply he's exceeded expectations with regard to what we as a fan base probably thought the team, you know, the results we were going to get at the start of the season. 
He has us as of now in a playoff position. He has our academy kids playing exceptional football. Um, he has a system and an expectation from his players that if you want to play week in, week out, you have to buy into that system and that the mentality that he wants. Um, and, and I think it's working so far, um, including when it comes to uh, the decisions with regard to players he's chose to keep and players he's brought in. Um, so, so far, I think a B plus is a fair grade um, without obviously, you know, if, if we were doing better, you can give him a higher one. But for now, I think there's really no issues. Okay. Yeah, that, uh, that, that's fair. I would say it's an A right now. Um, probably B plus to an A. And, and for a couple of reasons. One, I think, I think he's exceeding expectations, to be perfectly honest. I think a lot of the, the fan base were kind of like, hmm, okay, let's just wait till Insignia gets here and see what we do. Right. But I think that he has the team. And as you mentioned, the young players sort of, I don't, I don't know if punching above the weight is the right term, but I, I think he's got those guys embedded into the team and in, in giving positive contributions probably a lot sooner than a lot of people thought. Um, and that's, then that's a positive. I, and I think we, we kind of both said it at the end of last season, it felt like the dressing room needed that figure head manager who can come in, you know, give his ideas on how the game is to be played, um, and give the, everybody clear instructions on what he wants from each player. Uh, and he's done that clearly. And I, I think everybody kind of has an idea of what, what they're supposed to do on the pitch, you know, what's being asked of them. Uh, I don't think he's asking too much of the young players. I think he's asking them to, to do a specific job and they're out there and they're doing that. Um, and then they have these moments where they can show out, uh, which is, which is incredibly important as well. So uh, I give him an A, I think also handling, uh, a, you know, the a players like Alejandro Pozuelo handling a bigger personalities um, in, in the team, like a Chris Mavinga, um, you know, just that's, that's a key as well. And I thought he's handled those situations really well um, where, you know, uh, those may uh, under another manager, they may have been sticking points. Um, and I think that's really great. So uh, I give him an A so far. I mean, again, like I said, you're in a, you're in a playoff position right now. Again, it's hard to talk playoffs when it's seven games into the season, but at the same time, you know, if the idea is to keep, the team in striking range till you get an insigne and you know another the other signings that might be coming um you know whether it's a crescito whether it's other players um you know i think that's that's key and as long as you know you can keep positive results coming in and as long as we keep seeing the growth from the young players uh contributing to uh the first team then i i think that that grade stays in that a to you know the high b level uh and that that's sort of how i think about it if anybody has any thoughts on a, a grade level for bob um before we wrap up the show quickly hit that um request button we'll we'll get you in here uh prior to the end of the show but um and eric i'm, I'm assuming you're gonna stay out of this one uh, <laughs> in terms of a grade <laughs> 
I, I'm I'm not so bold as to uh, as to give a grade. I think that would uh, that would be an awkward conversation at breakfast at the training grounds. Uh, <laughs> no, no, fair no I'll, I'll 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 say this just in terms of just to give some context. I think this it can get lost in the, in the shuffle pretty quickly. Just considering how we're already you know a month or two into the season, but let's go down the list of the players that have come out of the team since last year: Justin Morrow, Eric Zavaleto. Rocco Romeo, Kevin Silva, Patrick Mullins, Julian Dunn, Omar Gonzalez, Nick DeLeon, Subasa Endo, Liam Fraser, Erickson Gallardo, Richie Larea, Dom Dwyer, Mark Delgado, Jefferson Soteldo, Josie Altador, Auro, Kamar Lawrence. I mean, that is an outrageous amount of turnover, right? So think about, we all know the importance of continuity year over year, and that's, that's something that's harped on. You look at the most successful teams throughout MLS history. They all have that consistent spine throughout the team that kind of helps drive them forward and create that identity. Bob came in and had to gut everything, complete culture reset, complete turnover, and said, I'm putting my stamp on things. And he's someone that immediately commanded respect and immediately got people on board with his vision and playing the, the, the way that he wanted to play, right? And that's, that's not going to happen overnight. And yet here we are, what, seven games into the season. Uh, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we're sitting in fifth right now. Granted, it's still very early days, very early to be looking retrospectively at where, at where we're going to be you know, finding ourselves later on in the season. But yeah, fifth place right now, 11 points tied with the Red Bulls and Atlanta on 11 points through seven games, right? So I think that the, something needs to be said about just how quickly he's been able to get people to buy in while also, again, bringing in a lot of young talent, a lot of young homegrown talent into this team. So I think when you, when you give that context, it's, it's hard not to be impressed by what Bob's been able to do in such short order. Absolutely. And then that, look, that's what, you know, we, again, like just alluding to sort of the, the comments at the end of last season, that was what we needed uh, to, to me. And I was saying this, you know, in the middle of last season, just before uh, Chris Armas was let go. Um, but to me, he was the perfect fit um, as manager at this club, because I do think you need a manager who has that personality, you know, like if you, if you look at, you know, I, I loathe to compare to, to Europe and things like that. But, you know, this is a – I think we all think Toronto FC is a big club. I think a lot of people within the league think Toronto is a big club. Um, and when you are a big club and the idea is to be competing year after year for trophies, for um, spots in the playoffs, things like that, you need a manager who is going to be able to um, sort of have that gravitas. Uh, around the club, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's, you know, with the media, um, in the fan base. And to me, he was the only guy that would realistically be available that fit that bill. Uh, and it, it's, it, to me, it was a no-brainer. When, when it, the rumor started, when he was going to get announced, um, to me, that was just like the no, biggest no-duh, right? Like, if he's available, you go get him. Um, and, and all credit to to Bill Manning for for jumping on that immediately and making that happen um, and wasting no time in, in getting that higher across the, uh, across the board. Well, I can say this, Mike, um, I can't remember at what point last year during our podcast, we had this discussion, but you, before he was available, while he was still coaching the other team, LAFC, you said he's out of contract. We need to get him. I clearly remember you. I, before anyone else I saw on social media called that that's who TFC needs, you said that's who we need. That's the kind of player with the young players we have in our system, that's the kind of coach we need. And they went out and got him. And it's been, you know, Eric just 
kind of said it perfectly when you listed all the players who've been out and what a difference in a short window of time, a structure that's been built. That's something that, that has, you know, hats off have to go to Bob Bradley. Yeah. And, and, and Derek, you, you mentioned something that I, I picked on something you said really, that was really interesting. You said culture reset. Um, and I really thought there needed to be a reset. Um, and I think a lot of fans did, uh, you know, to us, I think it was fairly clear. Um, you know, we don't know what was happening behind scenes. It's hard to speculate on that. Um, but it, it just felt like there just needed to be a, a, a reset in the way that, you know, we thought about the club and the way that the club needed to approach matches. And I, and I, I again, it just, it, I, I, to me, it, it was just a no brainer. Like that's the guy who can do that in a short amount of time. Um, and has that gravitas and that experience to be able to do that in such a short amount of time. So I, I you know, uh, to me, the, the, the grading, as much as it's always fun to have that conversation and, and that's sort of the, you know, fan talk and, and, and stuff. I, I think the bigger thing to take out of that is kind of what Eric said, right? It's the idea that he's been able to instill a, a philosophy and a way to uh, go about work every single day. Uh, that is, um, that is, I think, propelling the team to results that, you know, and I'll, I'll even admit, right. Like I've, I've said, I, I, I wasn't sure if I saw a playoff team yet, but um, the, the fact that he's been able to do this in such short order, you gotta, you can only sort of just put your hands up and, and, you know, uh, and applaud what he's been able to do so far. We'll see how the rest of the season goes, obviously, because a lot of things can happen. Injuries can happen, things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, so far, so good um, in the early stages of the Bob Bradley era at Toronto FC. Um, so we'll, we'll sort of run, the, we'll end the show on this. Uh, a look ahead to NYCFC away um, in Queens, which, Eric, you'll obviously, um, you'll, you'll, you know very well. Um, uh, Again, we, we obviously we beat we beat NYCFC a couple of weeks ago, um, and, and we look and it was probably our most complete performance of the season. Um, you know, uh, it will be interesting to see what NYCFC we get next week because this is a team that just got bounced from Concacaf Champions League uh, by the Seattle Sounders, um, but had a fight back in in that second leg. Um, but uh, you know, again, this is still a dangerous team. This is, this is a team that, um, you know, still has all that firepower. But I wonder if, similar to us in 2018, that CCL run has kind of caught up to them. Um, and, 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 you know, will those, will those sort of tired legs and tired minds, um, you know, sort of give us uh, an advantage uh, in sort of the, the return uh, match at City Field? No, I mean, listen, I think uh, I was kind of shocked myself to, to just quickly glance at the table before uh, before we head out to New York that they're bottom of the table right now with four points. I mean, granted, they've, they're only on five games played. The rest of the league is on seven or eight. Um, so they've, they've got a couple games in hand. But I, I think they are dealing with a little bit of that championship hangover, a little bit of that CCL hangover that, that we saw for ourselves in, in 2018. But I mean, make no mistake, this is this is a team that, that won MLS Cup for a reason, right? They've, they've got plenty of talent throughout their roster. They're still boasting Tati Castellanos leading the line. So uh, definitely a, a danger man throughout their team. And then you throw in the just the the kind of unpredictability of playing in a baseball stadium, right? I mean, granted, last time we were there, it worked out pretty well for us. Uh, 
nice two one win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. One of the nicest nights on uh, of, of my time with the club. That was a that was a fun one, but um, that it just I think it adds that level of unpredictability with with the dimensions of the field, and it just kind of lends itself to some some kind of wonky play from time to time. But um, you know, again, I, I wouldn't necessarily be fooled by by the, the the league standings right now. I don't think that's necessarily indicative of of the talent that uh, that that City possesses. So uh, I, I think that you know. We'll be in for a battle come Sunday. Uh, I think it, it'll be good to have a full week of rest to to try to get some of these guys back into the fold and hopefully rest up some, uh, you know, lick our wounds a little bit and get back uh, to to a full ninety minutes of football. But no, it'll it'll be a tough challenge. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely, um, and and Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but the dimensions at City Field are going to be similar to what they would have um, faced if they were playing at Yankee Stadium. Correct. Yeah, I believe they, they, they try to mimic that as best they can. I don't think it'll be quite as narrow as Yankee Stadium, which should play into you know play into our, our hands a little bit more. But it's still a bit of a bandboxing again when you're when you're playing at a at a baseball stadium. You can only do so much to mitigate the the, the factors that are just by the, the the pure dimensions of the field you're playing from from left field to right field in a baseball stadium, right? It's just a it's a weird setup. So it, it'll just make for uh and then you have you know that that patch of grass where you know the you know around shortstop where they're covering up the diamond. So it just makes for a for a bit of a weird playing setup, but. Hopefully it doesn't influence the game too much because we just, you know, we want to see the, the game being dictated on the field by the players, not necessarily by the environment. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I actually kind of like when TFC go and play NYCFC again, whether it's at Yankee Stadium or um, at City Field, because I, I do believe some of the smaller pitch can actually help TFC a lot in terms of the way they want to play. Um, you know, the, the connectivity uh, in the attack, being able to keep the ball on the ground. I, I think it, it can also allow uh, TFC with, you know, players like a Jaden, if he doesn't end up, if Disco doesn't come back on that, um, you know, and, and, and other places sort of be able to be direct as well and be able to play in behind and, and, and play like sort of quick over the top balls um, for, for our, you know, our really quick wingers. Uh, to play in. Um, and hey, Jacob Schaffelberg also had a, a pretty nice time last time he was playing in New York, got his first goal. Um, I know it was at Yankee Stadium and not at City Field, but um, I, I think the, the, the shorter, narrower uh, pitch could be actually a, uh, a stylistic advantage to the way this uh, TFC team wants to play. Um, I think we'll wrap the show up there, Sean. Uh, any last thoughts, Eric? Any last thoughts before uh, we. Uh, we wrap it up for this uh, Easter Sunday. Um, the only thing I'll quickly touch on is TFC two plays today at, I believe 2 PM. Uh, the live stream is on MLS com. So definitely, you know, check them out. Uh, hopefully fans can get out and go cheer them on at some point this season. Um, but yeah, next week will be a battle. Um, it'll be interesting seeing who's available. Because um, I know Sosedo's out again. What, two, he's the red cards two games, um, <clears throat> and O'Neill's getting a lot of wear and tear. And I know he's going to need a break soon. So, like I said, it'll be interesting to see how we uh, who we have available next week. No, absolutely. Uh, do do check out uh, TFC two streaming on, uh, on MLSNextPro.com. Uh, I do know. I don't know if we've announced it yet formally, but there are plans to to open up York Lions Stadium later in the season to fans. So hopefully we can get that announcement out soon. And I, I think after after this match, we'll have a double header at BMO Field. So the first team will be up first, and then TFC2 will be playing at BMO Field. So hopefully fans stick around for that. 
Um, but no, other than that, no, thanks. Thanks for having me guys. This is awesome. What you guys are doing. Uh, keep up the great work and, uh, no, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see you around at BMO field one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. Eric, thanks so much for, for joining, uh, the show. Uh, thanks for the reminder, by the way, also on the double header, I believe that's for the Cincinnati game, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that will be, I think we're also playing Cincinnati, uh, FC two on that day. If you get a chance to go check out the twos, uh, definitely do so. They, they've started the season off really well. Um, and uh, they won against NYCFC two last week, I think three, one. Uh, so, you know, definitely check them out on MLS nextpro.com. Um, you can follow Eric Giacometti at Eric underscore Giacometti. Uh, you can follow Sean at Sean Anthony uh, Levy. If you're on, uh, if you're so inclined to do so on this bird app, um, and if you feel so inclined to follow me, I'm at Football Saves. Uh, on behalf of Sean, Eric, my name is Mike Newell. Thanks so much for joining the Tunnel Club uh, this week. 2-1 win over the Philadelphia Union, sitting fifth in the table. It's, uh, it's a nice place to be um, after seven games. Uh, so enjoy it. Uh, enjoy your Easter. Enjoy your time with your families. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.